Good morning. How you doing? Welcome to South City Church. My name is Drew Klein. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are so glad that you're with us. It is our privilege and honor that you're with us today. And uh, we're just excited. This is a happy new year, I guess, is the official thing we should say, right? First Sunday of the year. Yeah. How many of you are the people that are like, Ready? You just love new things. You love the beginning of the week. You love the new year. You've already got your diet planned. You've already started with the, the exercise program. You've got the brand new journal sitting by the bed. Now, come on, how many of you are those folks? You know, they're, yeah, they're out there. You're ready for the new beginning. There weren't not that many as I thought. All right, how many of you are just, you've been working through the holidays? You're exhausted. You're ready for normalcy. You just get back to a schedule. Yeah, all right. How many of you are just kind of over the drama of Christmas and the holiday? I'm done with it. Let's get on with it. Okay. Man, I get all those responses. I do. I get it. One of the things that I always try to do this time of year is to kind of begin to evaluate, reevaluate uh, the year before. I want to look at my life. I want to look at my family. I want to look at my work. Have I, have I contributed? Have I been all that God wanted me to be? Where have I messed up? Where have been my failures? Where have been my victories? And you know, as I even say that, right now in your heart and your soul, you know what I'm talking about. You know the things that, man, you just, you could have done a little better. And you know the things that you need to celebrate. And there ought to, there ought to be a few of those things in my life. I'm, I'm thankful there's a couple of things that I'm really, I'm proud of. I, I followed through on some things this year and I'm, I'm excited about those things. And there's plenty of other things that I didn't follow through on and a lot of things that I need to work on. This is a good time of year to kind of evaluate where we are. And by the way, the church is no different. Um, as elders and as leadership of the church, one of the things that we do every January is we want to give you a year-end report, kind of looking at the analytics and metrics from 2018. And so we're hoping to get that delivered to you in the next two weeks or so, Lord willing. So we're putting that all together. We'll be getting to that uh, soon. But if I'm honest, this has been, it's been a great year. 2018 was an amazing year for us. We had some ups and we had some downs. I mean, just like life, right? We had some really good things and we had some things that were okay. You know, we had some, um, a lot of people join and, and, and walk with us. Uh, 40 new partners, as Jeff mentioned last week. Hey, Jeff, you did a great job last week, by the way, brother. We love you. We appreciate you so much. He mentioned that we had 40 new partners, and that's a big deal. We're excited about that from 2018. Uh, we also had some people who left, and that kind of grieves my heart. Honestly, I, I, I mourn the loss of those folks and the relationship, and I miss them, and I, I think about them a lot. I see them on Facebook, and I go, oh, you know, my heart hurts my heart. We've had people who've come to know the Lord this year. 42 people have come to know Jesus at South City this year. Praise the Lord. And there are thousands and hundreds of thousands left to reach. We got a lot of work to do. We've seen amazing giving in 2018. I mean, miraculous giving in 2018. And we've also are experiencing financial shortages. Life has this way of kind of being up and down. You try to find the, the, the middle spot, if you will. I'm learning, uh, you guys, that church planning and church replanning is not for the faint of heart. I'm learning that pretty quickly here. We're, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're sort of beginning to exit out of our honeymoon period. Maybe. I don't know. It still feels like a honeymoon. It's still great. I, I'm having a blast. But God is, he's faithful through every 
up and every down, every met expectation and every difficult moment that we face. He's good. This morning I want to talk to you about kind of the state of our church, the state of the church, the Western church in America. I want to talk about a a lot of different things. But for those of you that are paying attention to the church in America, the Western church, have you noticed that something's just not right? Have you noticed that something is not working? We are not passing on the truth of God to our children. They are not living it. We are not seeing churches sustained and maintained. In fact, we are losing ground in the United States. The church is dwindling in ways. And it's something to be alarmed about. It's something for us to be, take note of, pay attention to, and make a change in. It's very, very important. Uh, I think um, when I think about the big C church, I'm not specifically talking about South City because honestly, I kind of think South City is sort of an anomaly in many ways in the, in the country in, in different ways. But when I think about the big C church, I think about the fact that many of us are anemic believers. We think if we just show up for a week or two, we can call ourselves Christ followers and no, we're good to go. Our hearts may not be connected to the things that are on God's heart, but we can call ourselves believers. We tip instead of tithe. And we say, that's enough. We, we couldn't begin to communicate the gospel of Jesus to people if we wanted to. If he gave us an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus, we wouldn't know what to say. And many of us, if we needed to defend our faith, we wouldn't know where to begin. Am I wrong? That's where the, that's the reality of the church, the big C church seems to be. We've even welcomed other religions, other viewpoints that could care less about Jesus. And we, we've added them to our lives and think that there's something there. I've got friends uh, who are dear friends that I've known that, that used to walk with the Lord, used to believe in the Lord. They're now, many of them, changing their opinions. They're changing their worldviews. They're changing their lifestyle, all in the name of tolerance, all in the name of compassion, saying that the truth of Scripture really isn't the truth, that it's antiquated, it's irrelevant, it doesn't work. And what we get in return as a country and as a people is gender confusion and broken families and mass addiction and rampant sinfulness, overwhelming despair and depression and suicide. That's the reality of our country. And I say this phrase all the time. I kind of want to go, hey, hey, country, how's that working for you? It's not. But the sad reality is, is the church making a difference? Do we have the answer? Are we offering it, friends? Listen, I believe with all my heart that God has called South City Church. Our elders, our leadership, our pastors, he's called us to be an honest authentic place where broken people can come. They can be healed, they can be made whole, where lost people can be found in Jesus, given direction for life, where marriages and relationships and couples can find a hope for their families, where we can all be discipled to Jesus, where we can truly know his word more than any of us have known it before. I don't believe that's a pipe dream, I I believe that that could happen that we could know him more than we've ever known him before, where we value the word of God. 
where it means everything to us, where we value the gospel of Jesus and we believe that it really is the hope of the world. Do you believe that? Then something's got to change. We have got to change. Church, I want us to be on the same page. I want you to know who we are as a church. I want you to believe in that. I want that to be who you are. And it's, I've been praying, what, Lord, what is our vision for this year, for 2019? What is our vision? You know, ophthalmologists and eye doctors all talk about 2020 kind of as the, the perfect vision. If you've got 2020 vision, you can, just, it's, you can see perfectly. Well, next year is what? 2020. Doesn't that sound weird? Do you remember when it was, when, when that movie, was it 2001 Space Odyssey or 2002, whatever it was? I can't remember. 2001, thank you, John. And then 2001 got here and it was like, that's weird. We're living in the Space Odyssey movie date. It's weird. That's kind of what 2020 feels like to me. It's like this date that's out there that feels crazy, but it's less than a year away. And my hope for South City Church is that your leadership, your elders, that we could equip you, South City, in discipleship and mission so that we can have a unified vision in 2020. That's what I hope this year is, that we work to be equipped, together that we work to be ready. God, what is it you wanna do in this city? What is it you wanna do around the world? Who are you gonna call out of this congregation to plant a church? Who are you gonna call out of this congregation to be missionaries around the world? God, who are you gonna move in their passion and compassion for people to witness around this city? so that you may be known. Our plan for 2019 is to equip you so that we can have a unified vision in 2020. But the question is, what does it mean for you? Where are you in that? How are you doing? As we look back over last year and we prepare and we plan for 2019, how are you doing? How are you doing? Are you connected to a city group? Are you walking, challenged, loving, serving people? Have you found the niche where you feel like you have community and you're doing life with people? If you haven't, would you let us help you find that? I believe you can find it here. With all my heart, I believe you can find it here. How's your walk with Jesus? Your time with him? As we evaluate these things, We just want to go deeper and deeper in him. One thing I can tell you that this city doesn't need is another church where people come and sort of check in and then turn around and go walk a life that has nothing to do with Jesus. We don't need another one of those. Listen, the size of the church is not a big deal to me. I want to have a size of church that's sustainable and we can do the things God wants us to do. But if God keeps us at 100 or 150 people, of people who are passionately in love with Jesus and making him known, praise God. Doesn't matter to me if we keep growing and becoming some, we'll just keep sending people out. But I want us to go deeper in him. I want us to know him. And in order to do that, we must become the people that God commands us to become in his word, to deeply know it, to defend it, to share it, to love it, to live it, and to be on mission with him and each other for the glory of God. I'll tell you this, it's not our desire 
to just swap church members around the city. That's not our desire. Now listen, praise God, there will be people who, who see what we're doing and see what God is doing here and go, that's the kind of mission and the kind of church I want to be a part of, and they'll come alongside us. Praise God for that in mission. And if, that, if you're thinking about that, praying about that, thank you, praise God. We're praying for leaders to come and help us. But our heart, listen, we did a study when we were at Fellowship a few years ago. 600,000 people in central Arkansas don't have a faith community. They are not engaged in a life in Christ. Central Arkansas, 600,000 people. We don't have time to be shuffling sheep. You hear what I'm saying? We've got to be reaching people who don't know Jesus and raising them up to be who he wants them to be and take his gospel wherever he wants it to go. Amen? Amen. That's who we have to be. And that's what we have to do. Listen, as you're evaluating your your new year, your life, got something pretty exciting for you to tell you. As you're thinking through your problems, as you're thinking through your issues, I've got the answer. You ready to write it down? Here we go. I'm on, here's the answer. This is very important. <laughs> for every problem, for every worry in your life, there's the Word of God. Everything you face, everything you walk through, every issue you're dealing with, there's the Word of God. For every brokenness, for every disappointment, there is the Word of God. So you go, hey, are you saying if I just start reading the Bible a little bit more, that's going to fix all my problems? This is what I'm saying. When you make your life in Jesus a priority in your life, when you place him first above everything else there is, I promise you, and you begin to, to, to sow seed of the word of God into your life, I promise you, like the law of gravity works. Like, you know, you can jump off a building and go, yep, it sure did, it worked, right? With the same assurance, I can tell you, when you place Jesus number one in your life, you follow him and you feed your life from the word of God, he will either change the circumstance you're in or he'll change you. He'll either move the circumstance, he'll change it, He'll move it around or he'll change you for the circumstance. I promise you that's what he'll do. Whether you've struggled with uh, divorce and sexual addiction, drug and alcohol addictions, depression, poverty, doesn't matter what the, the issue is. I can promise you, I can promise you when you trust in him, he will change your circumstance or he'll change you for the circumstance. This morning I want to encourage you uh, from, from the word of God in Mark 4. And I want us to say these three things together before we get in. I want to put them on the screen. Would you say these with me? Pull the weeds. Yeah, that wasn't very good. Are right, you ready? Try it together. Here we go. Pull the weeds. Prepare the soil. Plant the seed. All right, let's say them together one more time. Ready? Pull the weeds. Prepare the soil. Plant the seed. One more time because I want you to remember and I want you to be able to say it over lunch. All right, here we go. Pull the weeds. Prepare the soil, plant the seed. Turn in your Bibles to Mark 4, verse 1. Mark is talking about Jesus in his ministry, how he's teaching here in Mark 4, verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and he sat in it on the sea. And, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, 
Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. Now I want to jump down to verse 14 where Jesus begins to, to rally back with his disciples. And he really wants them to understand the parable. And so this is what he says to them. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word when it is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Now this is, I love this parable. This is a beautiful parable. In fact, it's the first parable that Jesus teaches. A parable just means uh, to, to come alongside. In other words, Jesus is teaching the disciples that have come to listen. And so what he does is he teaches and then he throws a story alongside his teaching. And I read this this week, I think, it's, I think it's brilliant. The thing about parables is they have this miraculous way of, of revealing truth to those who seek it and yet it's hidden from those who don't. Isn't that interesting? Parables have a way of revealing truth to those who seek it, and yet it's hidden from those who don't. So let me ask you this morning, what did you come in? Did you come in seeking truth today? Did you come in this place today and you want to hear truth? You want truth for your life. You want it in your soul. Then it's my prayer that this parable would be life-giving to you and that that truth would be known and be seen by you, that those of us with ears, Jesus said. Everybody there had ears, right? He's speaking figuratively. If you want to hear this, my prayer is that you will. So he teaches this parable. And what I love about this parable is that he not only gives it, but he, he circles back with the disciples and goes, did you guys get the thing that I did, you know? And what's interesting is he really wanted to make sure they got it because in the scripture you kind of see, he says, I really hope you get this because if you don't, we got some issues basically, right? I want to make sure that you get what I'm teaching here. And he, he speaks about the soil, the condition of the soil. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen these big tractors. You've seen these big tractors on farms nowadays? They're amazing. They're like the Ferraris of the farming industry. They're huge combines and stuff. And inside the cockpit of these deals, you have air conditioning and heat and radio and TV. And you can move your chair around. It's like a lazy boy in there. It's unreal. And some of them don't even need people to drive them. They're just computerized and they just go do their thing. It's unbelievable. They didn't have that in Jesus' day, obviously. 
they had a guy with a bag going like this, throwing the seed around, and that seed would land in different places in the same way as I sow seed today. As I preach God's word to you today, it will land in four different places, just as that seed landed in four different places on the ground there. People would have been familiar with farmers or people who sowed seed. It wasn't as, as desperate as it is uh, today. In other words, many people farmed. Many people would sow seed. This was a, a description, a parable that they understood because they'd seen it a lot. They got it. It made sense. He said there's four types of soil. The first is the path. In other words, it's, the soil is so hard, it's like concrete. And when you sow seed, the seed just sits on top of it. It won't even soak in. That's like people who hear the word of God and they go, I could care less. People who are in here even today, you hear me speaking, but you're like, my mind is not here. I just, I, I couldn't care less. What's interesting is Jesus says that the enemy comes and he takes that seed away. When we have zero interest in the word of God, the enemy will just take that away. Then he says there's another soil. It's a rocky soil. It's a soil that is a little bit of soil, but mostly rock. It's enough soil that the seed can germinate to some degree. It can, it can grow a shoot. It can grow a bloom. It can grow a blossom. It won't produce, but, but there's some sign of growth. And then the sun comes, and it withers that little plant. It withers that little seed germination because it has no root system. It has no way of reaching into life-giving nutrients. I, I was thinking about this with us. I don't know about you, but you know, you've ever been searching on, on social media and you know, you see these recipes and you're like, oh, I want to make that. And then you just kind of keep going. You know what I mean? Or you go, oh, that's the diet I need. Or, oh man, I need to go to that gym. And, that, and you, you kind of keep scrolling. That's kind of like this. It's kind of when you go, oh, Jesus, he, that looks great. I think I want Jesus in my life. But you don't do anything to bring the soil around it. You don't do anything to, to make any change. You just kind of keep flipping in your life. And you might say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. But when the persecution comes, when the trials come, when the temptations come, then your life just withers because you have no root system. The third type of soil is the soil that is actually decent soil, but what happens is you allow the, the thorns and the weeds and the thistles to grow up with the plant that you really want. I've told you before, I'm not much of a gardener, but I've been trying over the last few years. And uh, some things work really well, some things are not, basically. And one of the things that didn't work so well is my garden, I've got this little kind of square garden, and half of it was looking really good. I mean, I've been pulling weeds, and dirt looked good, and I was having the produce, I just kind of gave up on the back half, you know what I mean? And I had some peppers back there. And on the back line, of the middle to the back, was just unbelievable grass and weeds. And it was growing up with the peppers. And I could see the pepper plant. And I know this parable. I know the, what happens. But I'm looking. Come on, there's got to be some, one pepper on the plant. Nothing. No fruit, no, no produce at all. Because that soil was mixed with the plant and the weeds, and the weeds choked out the things that mattered, which rendered the real plant useless. In the same way, some of our hearts are like that. We've allowed Jesus just to be another cog on the wheel of our lives, 
Listen, we got my marriage. I got my job. I'm really working hard on my job. I really want to grow up the, the, the ladder. I go to the gym. Uh, I got Jesus in the church. I got uh, my buddies. We do this. And See, Jesus is just like something you add into your life. He's not the main thing of your life. And when he's not the main thing, then the, the, the Jesus even defines what these things are. Look what he says. The cares of the world. You're worried about everybody else. What everybody else is doing. I don't know, think about them. That's who I want to be. I want to be like them. And I'm, care, I'm caring about them. The deceitfulness of riches. You know what that is, don't you? All of us can go, oh yeah. Trying to keep up with the Joneses. Trying to find your identity in money or, or what people think of you because of what you have. And even Jesus himself, speaking of money, said, you can only have one master. You can't have two. You got to choose today who you'll serve. And then this last one, he says, your desires for other things. Isn't that interesting? Cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, or your desire for something more than your desire for Jesus. Is your life one that you have desires that are greater than your desire to know Jesus? You just added him into your schedule like it's an equal portion and Lord, come bless my work. Lord, come bless my hopes, my dreams. It doesn't work that way, my friends. What does Paul say about discipleship? Let's look in Galatians 2. Chapter 2, chapter two verse 20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. Can you imagine Paul next to Christ? Just think about it. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul doesn't exist anymore. This is Christ's life. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul's saying, I don't matter anymore. I surrendered to Jesus. My dreams, my hopes, my plans, they don't matter as much as my, the life in Christ that I have. I'm dead. I no longer live, he says. It's Christ who lives in me. Does that sound like Paul's going, I see I've got missions and I'll add in Jesus and I've got the tent making thing. And, huh? No, he's very clear. He's very singular focused in what matters in his life and that is Jesus and him crucified and Paul and him crucified for the purposes of God. What does Jesus think about discipleship? Look in Luke 9, verse 23. Jesus was going to give us his definition of, you want to follow me? You want to be my disciple? You want to live this life with me? This is what it's going to look like. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his death. Let him take up his cross daily. Let him take up his daily death and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or his soul? Jesus is saying, it's not about adding me on to your life. It's about saying, Jesus, you are my master. You, you matter more than anything else. It's about priorities. What are your priorities this year? In six months, you're going to look back and go, well, I've got all these things I want to do, and Jesus is right there with me. 
Are you gonna say, I've surrendered. I've denied myself. I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live. He is the most important thing in my life. Of course, there's the good soil. That's for those of us who want to hear the word. We want to be used of God. We want to obey it. We want to live it. We want to see a great harvest. You know what's interesting is a seed, I was reading this week, if a farmer has the growth of a seed seven times that seed, that's like a huge success. If a seed can can germinate seven times, that's like, it's amazing. And yet Jesus' bottom number is what? 30 times. He's saying, when we have good soil, I'm going to make things miraculously explode in your life. When you have good soil in your heart and your soul, I'm going to do things that you can't even comprehend. The bottom number is 30, 60, 100. So are you committed to a life in Christ and his mission? Because if you are, I promise you, you will produce fruit. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. What's the soil of your soul this morning? Is it a hard soil? You couldn't care less. Is it a rocky soil where, yeah, you've tried this, it just didn't work out? Is it a soil that you've just confused with a lot of other things? The Bible says the sin that so easily entangles. Are you here this morning and you're ready? You're ready for something else. You're ready for the good soil in your life. You're ready to hear the truth. If that's you today, I want to just encourage you with a few things before we go. Can I do that? Everybody say, pull the weeds. That's the first step. What are the weeds? It's the sin in your life. It's the junk in your life. You got to get rid of it. Eradicate that mess out of your life. Church, this is the time this year, right now, beginning of the year, today, to clean some things up. Clean it up. Not just decisions that you've made, not just habits that you've had, but maybe some people that have encouraged those habits. You might need to walk away from some of the people and some of the places that cause you to have sin in your life. The first step, the first step in good soil, you gotta pull the weeds and clean up the mess. Because when you pull the weeds, that is the action of repentance. Repentance is when we say, God, I'm not going my way, I'm not gonna follow the sinfulness of my life, I'm gonna turn, I'm gonna go the opposite direction, I wanna go your way, I wanna serve you. That is the action of repentance when we pull the weeds. The second thing, prepare the soil. Everybody say, prepare the soil. soil. What does that mean? What does it mean? This is what I think it means. I think it means that we have to make a decision. We have to make a singular decision to follow Christ. It means we got to Say to ourselves, say to our families, let our lives speak the truth that there's nothing greater in my life than knowing Jesus and making him known. Prepare the soil. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. He is my master, he is my Lord. I serve him and him alone. Prepare the soil. When we prepare the soil, it's a decision to follow Christ. I no longer live, it's not about me, but Christ lives in me. I deny myself. I'm ready to die daily to follow Christ. And then we've got to be intentional to plant the seed. 
the seed of God's word in our lives. Now, let me just say this. We don't worship the Bible. We worship Jesus, right? We don't worship the Bible. We worship Jesus. But the Bible shares with us. The Bible teaches us his voice, his heart, his plan, how we're supposed to live. And when we seed that good soil with God's word, I'm telling you, amazing things will happen. Incredible fruit will come from your lives. I would love that through this year, and I I promise you, if you do it, this will happen. I I can't wait for some of you to come up to me later this year and go, you're not going to believe this. I'm going to go, hit me. I can't wait. Because that's what God does when we get serious about making him first. And we seed our lives with the word of God. He does amazing things. When we seed our lives, when we plant the seed, that's intentionally surrendering to it digesting the word of God so that we might know it and have a commitment to it. Hey, you know what? I double dog dare you. I just went to the big one. I skipped over the others. I went to the big one. I double dog dare you to do this this year. To seed your life with the word of God. To pull the weeds, to prepare the soil, and to plant the seed of God's word in your life. You know, when I think about the early church, the early church... Discipleship was a big deal. And I was thinking of, thinking of it in this way this week. Um, when the persecution began, when Paul began to persecute believers, and the believers in Jerusalem scattered around the world, if they didn't have discipleship, if they didn't have an understanding of the mission of God, the heart of God, then that expansion wouldn't have happened. You got guys that sort of seem like they're good guys. Remember they were voted on and they start stepping up, guys like Barnabas and Philip and Stephen. And the next thing you know, these guys are preaching and these guys are doing miracles and these guys are expanding the kingdom. They're teaching the truth of the word of God. Can you imagine? This persecution happens and all of a sudden the church just has to flee the city. It just has to take off. But they don't just take off and, and reacclimate to another area and live. They take with them what they have, and that is the word of God and discipleship. This is my question. If somebody came in here and scattered us in Little Rock today, would you have what it takes to expand the gospel wherever you go? Would you know how? Would you know the things to say? Would you know how to disciple someone? Could you defend your faith? Could God expand his kingdom through you? Maybe, maybe not, but let's, let's pray that this year be the year where we focus on preparing you, equipping you in discipleship and mission for a unified vision in 2020. So there's a couple of ways we want to do this, and I'm, then I'm going to close. The early church, before the New Testament existed, right? The New Testament was written 80, 90, somewhere like that. So before the, this is after Jesus has been resurrected, gone back to heaven, the Holy Spirit has come, the church is being expanded, persecution has happened, and, and the, the church is scattered, and, and the gospel's going forth. They didn't have the New Testament to be disciple. They didn't have Paul's letters about how to live. They had the disciples' teaching. And they had a little document called the Didache. Now, this was new to me. I learned this just in the last year. This little document was basically just some of Jesus' teaching 
and some of the disciples teaching to help people be grounded in the faith, help people be established in the faith. Isn't that interesting? We don't think about that, the fact that it took a long time for the letters to be written and the, the gospels to be written. And so one of the things that we're doing this year and help equip you in discipleship is we're going to start a Bible study at 9 a.m., two weeks from today. Okay? Everybody with me? Two weeks from today, it's called Roots. And it's written based off of that document, that Didache statement. Basically what it says is it has five weeks talking about who Jesus is and seven weeks talking about who we need to be. Five weeks about Jesus and who he is and seven weeks and who we need to be. I want to challenge all of you to come. It's going to be in the uh, fellowship hall. And we've got to sign up on the back sheet, but we also got something really cool. I don't know if you've seen this. So on the front page of your deal here, see this little, looks like sort of like a little stamp, a QR code. If you've got a smartphone, all you have to do is focus your camera on that little square, and it'll take you right to the sign-up page for Roots. Same thing on our information page back here. You can do with your, tele, your uh, phone camera thing. Technology is amazing. So two weeks from today, we're going to start this Roots study. Everybody will be provided with the material, and we're going to have child care. But here's the thing. If you have kids, we need to know if they're coming, their ages. We need to know what we, how we need to be prepared for them. We're going to start precisely at 9 o'clock. So if you want some coffee, and we'll have some good fresh coffee, then be here before 9 o'clock. Okay? We're going to start right at 9 o'clock, and we're going to go to 10.15. And then from 10.15, we'll, get our, we'll come on over here. Okay? That's the Roots study that's coming up in two weeks. For those of you that are ready to jump in the deep end with us, and you're like, yeah, I, I want to do that, that sounds good, but I'm really ready to jump into some real heavy lifting, then we're going to have a leadership cohort that's going to go through a seminary-style course. It's a 15-week course through the book of Acts. And if you want to jump in the deep end with us, then one of our elders, D. Brown, wait, wave at me, D. D is going to be teaching that course on Acts. It's a 15-week binder, and there's some costs involved, uh, but we would love for you to do that. So we're going to have the root study starting in two weeks, and then four or five weeks later, we'll begin our Acts uh, cohort. And so we're excited about these two things. We're excited about these because this is going to help us deepen in how we understand the Bible, how we know how to share it, how we know how to teach other people about it. It's important that we know. You know, we don't think twice about going to school. We don't think twice about 12 or 15 years of being in school, going to college. We don't think twice about secondary degrees or certificates or, or other things that help us in our job, staying up late to read extra things. But then when it comes to our walk with Christ, are we doing that in the word? And is there anything that matters more? A.W. Tozier says this, he says, whatever you think about God is the most important thing about you. Now, many of you are busy, we're all busy. We have doctors and lawyers and engineers and, and the busiest among us, the housewives, the homemakers. You guys got a million things on your minds, I understand. But whatever you think about God is the most important thing about you. We need to know his word. We need to be able to digest it, and live it. Church, together, can we pull the weeds? Can we begin to clean out some of the junk in our lives? And even as I say that, I believe with all my heart the Holy Spirit of God is convicting you of some things. 
the things that only you know, the things that only I know about my life, that I can go, yeah, things need to change. We need to prepare the soil and we need to make a definitive decision. God, you are the only thing that matters to me. What I think about you is the most important thing about me and you are first in my life. I'm gonna prepare the soil and then I'm gonna plant the seed. I'm gonna take some intentional decisions to be in the roots group, to be in the, the leadership cohort, to read through the Bible this year if you don't have a, 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 the version app on your phone or a Bible that can take you through the Bible in a year, get that. It's such a blessing to read through the Bible in a year. It's wonderful. I just did it, just finished it. It's wonderful. And, and the version makes it so easy. Let's pull the weeds. Let's prepare the soil. And let's intentionally plant the seed of the word of God in our lives. So it changes us and it makes us the people that God wants us to be. Well, I want us to close this morning a little differently than we normally do. I'm going to ask Daryl to go ahead and come. Uh, when you walked in, you were given this piece of paper. Does everybody have one of these? If you don't have one, would you raise your hand? I'd love to get you one. Okay. Thanks, Casey. All right, put them down. Casey's going to grab some, and as he walks around, just let him know, and he'll give them to you. So this is what I want you to do. We're going to close this way this morning. This is just a simple spiritual inventory. Daryl's going to play, and we're going to take five or ten minutes here. And I want you just to process these questions because there's a good chance if you don't do it right now, you might not do it at all. So I just want us to take a few minutes. Think through these questions. Answer honestly. Raise your hand if you, if you need one. Josue can give you some. Keep those hands up and we'll get them to you there. But this is my hope in this. Look here. As you read through this inventory on the front and the back, my prayer, church, is that the Holy Spirit of God would kind of convict your heart of some things to grow in. That the Holy Spirit would kind of help you go, you know, that's something I need to focus on. And when you have that, look here, on the back of your card, there's a place where you can write the top five ways that I want to grow spiritually in 2019. And then what you can do is just tear it off. And now you can put it in your Bible, because on the front it has South City's vision statement and South City's core values. And on the back, it's got your top five things you want to develop in spiritually this year. What does God want to do in your heart and your life? My prayer is that these questions help you think through that, help you write down these things. And then you can put them in your Bible or on your bathroom mirror or in your car and be reminded of the work that God wants to do in your heart. Let's take just a few minutes and process this questionnaire, can we?
give you one more minute. One more minute. Father, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you for new beginnings. Lord, we are here today and there's breath in our lungs. If there's breath in our lungs, there's purpose for our lives. So God, I pray that in this moment, as we look over just this simple questionnaire, God, that it'll cause us to to question our hearts, to question where we are with you so that we would love you and serve you and know you more. God, thank you for these friends. Thank you for what you're doing in South City Church. Take our lives. Take the life of our church, God. We surrender it completely to you. We no longer live, Lord. It is you in us. We surrender the life of our church to you, God. It's yours. Lord, bring the people, bring the leaders that we need to do this work and bring us opportunities to make you known. Bring us people who don't know you so we can tell them about you. And Lord, have your way in us. In Jesus' precious name, God's people said.